Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me again on an episode of Get Into It with Gila. And today I will be releasing a podcast episode with Brachy Moskowitz, who is a social worker. And just so you guys know, we had an awesome interview. I was so blown away. I learned so much. I learned something called, called I learned about something called psychodrama, which I had never heard about. And the interview was so fun and awesome. We decided to do a second interview that I'll be releasing next week. And that is actually where um, Brachi tries to implement some of those tools on me, but not as Gila, as a made-up client. But it was still incredibly powerful. So how much more so if it's actually you as the client. So uh, without further ado, I will introduce Brachi Moskowitz, but please subscribe to this podcast as well as my YouTube channel. That's the only way that the podcast moves up in the ranking and more people can see it. So if you like the podcast, please um, like it or leave a review, um, subscribe to it and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Okay, without further ado, here's Brachi Moskowitz. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. This is Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And tonight I have Brachi Moskowitz. Hi, Brachi. Hey. Thanks for joining me tonight. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so can you please tell us what you do? Yes. So I'm a certified child life specialist and a licensed social worker. Um, both of these are clinical roles, which means I work directly with individuals, with children and families. Um, as well as with some couples. Um, and it's what you would imagine when you hear the word therapist. There's an office and a couch and a play area. Um, and we do counseling, um, depending on whatever the client comes in needing. So that's very short. Well, I've never actually heard of a child life specialist. What, like, what exactly does it entail? Sure. So a child life specialist, the role originated in hospital settings where families would come in um, that often the child was the patient and sometimes the parent was a patient and the child was there um, like coming to visit and the hospital staff started noticing that there's a lack in the kind of the, the emotional care for the child in the hospital setting like all of the other things were taken care of they had great teams medical science advancing um, but the emotional needs of the child were not really taken into consideration as much and they started noticing the effect that it had on the physical health of the child mm -hmm. so the child life specialist role started where they would have um, people who were trained in children and families family systems and developmental theory to help um, support the child throughout whatever process it was for some children it was through an acute experience right just like coming to the hospital for an, a, a quick emergency and for other children, it's helping them from diagnosis all through, like to all through death, like depending on on whatever is happening. Um, and then over time, what ended up happening is that you know some children were sick but were not in a hospital setting, and then child life specialists would start working with these children outside of hospitals, and then it expanded to some child life specialists supporting the families of the child. Um, so at this point, most child life specialists still practice in hospital settings or hospice centers um, where people are kind of prepared gently for death. Um, and then some child life specialists practice in private practice um, where they work with children who are coming in because of medical crises 
or other things that also need the their emotional caretaking to be taught to the family. Um, so I might work with children who are going through difficulties in school and the families, the parents maybe want, a, you know, they want to learn how to best support the child. Um, I might have children coming in because of, you know, different issues that they have going on. Again, it often comes out in the school setting because a lot of children are in traditional schools and that's where, you know, the issues kind of come to the forefront um, and the children need support. So I work with the child and the family to work out something that works for the child. So it's all about helping the child be comfortable within the family, regardless of whatever is going on. And um, so, so their development can go on. So that they, you know, they do. yeah. Wow, that's amazing. It's actually interesting because like you were saying that all their medical needs were taken care of, but without that emotional piece. Yeah. Just, it's, it's not a complete, I guess, plan of care. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. So it, it was definitely a huge help for when, when we look at it from the medical lens um, for the overall health of the child. And then in private practice, it's, it's kind of to apply that to the overall health of a family. If one child is really suffering, it is going to have an effect on the family. And often if there's bigger stuff going on in a family, one child will kind of take on the brunt of it and become the what we call the identified patient. Mm -hmm. um, so it's also kind of that, that, you know, working with the entire system. I work with the child and with the entire family. Um, and that's just part of my practice. Like I said, I'm also a, a social worker. So I do, you know, I, I come from that angle as well because I've trained in psychodynamic theory in, in different theories that are purely counseling theories. Um, so I, I end up blending the two of these together very often to create the best treatment for whoever comes in the door whether it's a child or an adult or an adolescent. That's really interesting. So like, it's the same thing with nutrition. Like if we take care of the, the client or the patient clinic, like nutritionally, but we're missing the emotional component, like, I mean, it's not like, it's not like useless, but it's really hard to move the patient forward. Yes, absolutely. When it comes to people who, who like clients that I see, typically adolescents or adults who are working with a dietitian, and I always advocate for a health at any size dietitian. Um, it's very often that they'll they'll do the kind of nutrition part with a dietitian, and then they talk about all the other stuff, the emotional part. Um, you know, work it through in therapy. So, yeah, it definitely has to work hand in hand. So, how do you um, like? I don't know. How did you become aware of intuitive eating, health at every size, and how did you like learn to? incorporate that into your practice? Sure, so for me, I think it was what we call in the therapy world a parallel process where sometimes um, something will happen for me and I'll notice something the same or similar thing happen for clients that are coming through the door. And I was noticing you know, that, that certain things in my own life, I was starting to realize um, my own eating and my own um, body image and, and what I was feeling about it and started doing kind of my own exploration. Um, and then noticing that these were some themes that were coming into my practice with, you know, adults, uh, with a lot of women and some men as well. Um, and as like, for me, it was a personal journey that I was then able to bring into my practice as well. Like as I was doing it for myself and, and moving into the intuitive eating journey, um, I was, I was able more and more to kind of bring it into my practice as well. Um, and it's been, I mean, I can say personally for me, it's been an extremely freeing experience um, to be able to relate to my body and food and health in this liberated way. Um, and I've seen with the clients that, you know, anyone who, who I'm incorporating this with, it's, in the beginning, it's a challenging journey because it, it, it calls into question everything that people are taught to believe right. uh, from a very young age. So the beginning is typically very, very hard for people. Um, but when they start to experience the freedom, what it's like to live freely, to eat freely, to experience food freely, to experience movement freely, um, the transformation is just so obvious. Um, it, it takes time for a lot of mm. people. 
um, and that's to be expected. Um, but it's like liberation is a word that really comes to mind with that. Both so you, but I think about it clinically. So you were struggling or like, were you, you were just looking to explore like food issues and body image issues or you were really like struggling with, with dieting or diet culture? Like what? Like, not, you don't have to overshare, but like, if there's any, yeah, I, I'll keep it more to like, I think for a lot of clients that I work with, and I can put myself into that as well, it's more like imagine a spectrum. So it can go anywhere from just having some issues with diet and food and body image, and then it can go all the way to disordered eating, crossing over to eating disorders. Right. So I, for myself, I've definitely been kind of fluctuating on that spectrum. Um, and even now, having found intuitive eating, it doesn't mean that these, these um, thoughts or internal processes ever completely go away, but I can relate to it differently. So I'd say I was fluctuating on that spectrum, and I see that with a lot of clients as well. So not everyone comes in um, saying, you know, this is, I, this is what's going on. These, this is my main issue. But it might come up and they might notice, oh, like this is where I'm at on the spectrum right now. Like I'm noticing I'm going more to disordered eating or I'm feeling more liberated. So we'll track it and see where they're at um, over time. But definitely I would say I, I had been kind of back and forth on that spectrum. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I guess you're never like in one spot. You're always like moving or vacillating and depending on what's going on in your life, it could definitely right. put you in a different spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, I saw this on Instagram. You also um, have like a class that you give on mm -hmm. body image and intuitive yeah. eating. Yep. So, and, and when you're talking about that privately, like it's, it's like you're trying to get the clients to experience something, right? It's very mm -hmm. like you do a lot of exercises. It's psychodrama, yeah. So I run, in addition to working individually with people, I run groups. Um, so these are typically eight to 12 week groups um, where we focus on a specific topic of psychoeducation. So I've, I've run some on parenting, I've run them on connecting with their inner child, and I've done some on intuitive eating. Right now we're in, I don't know, whenever people will be listening to this, but right now we're during you know, COVID. So we're not really running any groups right now, but you know, I run these groups, different topics. So intuitive eating is one of them. And in very short, the way I run these groups is psychodramatically. So I'm currently in psychodrama training and it's- a never heard, I've never heard of this, so I'm so excited. Yeah, it's a really cool technique. Uh, it's a really cool theory system. I mean, it's very, it's big. Mm -hmm. um, and Lot of techniques in it so it's basically picture a group when you think of group therapy for you like what may I, I don't I don't know for you but what comes to mind for a lot of people is people sitting in a circle and kind of talking about what's going on and talking things through which is great people find tremendous support in that um, but what psychodrama does is we show and we don't tell so obviously there's some talking involved but most of it is what we call experiential. So for example, with intuitive eating, if a person you know, starts talking, wants to discuss an issue that they're having with relating to their body, right? Let's say they, they, they think that their body is, is really um, you know, shameful or disgusting or horrible or ugly. So instead of sitting and talking about it, what I might say is I might ask the person to, you know, come, come to the middle, right? Like they become kind of the protagonist and there's a whole process to it. So I'm, I'm kind of leaving out a couple of pieces, but, mm -hmm. um, and then I might ask them to either, you know, picture an empty chair or put, ask a role, a, a member in the group to stand in for, for something. So let's say I'll say, I'll invite them to speak to their body instead of speaking about their body, I'll say, why don't you tell your body what's going on? So again, they might do it to an empty chair and picture their body sitting on the chair, or they might ask a group member to play the role of their body, and they start talking to their body, and they might say, um, I, I really hate you, I don't like the way you look, you know, um, I, I don't wanna see you in the mirror, um, I wish you looked like you did when I first got married, um, and they speak to their body, right? Mm -hmm. 
they've gotten they've gotten some of this out and then i might say um reverse roles with your body right so mm -hmm. they sit here and the you know the other person then becomes them right we reverse roles it's a very important technique in psychodrama and then i say from your body you are now your body what would you like to say and the body might might say something like when you say these things i i don't think you i don't think you're acknowledging all the other things i'm doing for you i'm beating your heart i have skin that protects you I have all these senses that are, are operating all the time. Like, it's not, it's not fair. Like, why are, you, why are you speaking to me this way? That might be one, one body. Another body might say, um, might be kind of a little bit more, yes, I, change me, change me. I also don't like myself. Like, it never, mm -hmm. depending on the person and everything that goes on, that's going on for them, you'll have a different reaction. And then we reverse roles back and then they'll respond to their body. So they'll have like a conversation that can be extremely, extremely eye-opening. Because for a lot of people, they've never paused and thought like, hey, my body is an element in this conversation. What does it want to say? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, and this is just one example of how we use psychodrama. Like, I mean, we, I've, I've done such incredible, um, exercises in the intuitive eating group specifically that for so many people just opened their eyes in in really really big ways um and when it comes to psychodrama like again it's action right we're moving it's almost like a play that's playing out um and very often like the the effects come afterwards like a couple of weeks after the first group people will start saying like oh this is what i'm noticing like this is what's what's been coming up for me. Um, Cause it's very much like, you know, almost like watching a movie or watching a play. And then sometimes afterwards you're like, hey, I didn't realize, you know, when the actor said this line, huh, it made me think of this. So even the person who's not in the middle, like doing their own piece of work, the people who are around um, are also really, really just like literally like they're, it's, it's on, a, on a brain level that these shifts start happening. Um, or we'll have, you know, in psychodrama, if a person got a lot of really um, harmful messages from a parent about their body, for example, right? Don't wear this, wear black, don't eat, um, you know, a lot of really, really harmful messages that came from a very young age. Again, instead of talking about it, they will speak to their parent and say, again, their parent was not in the room. So they're not, if we don't run into, you know, can I say this to my mother? Can I not? That's a separate conversation. Right. Here in this room, you can put out there whatever you need to. And again, for a lot of people, they've never had the opportunity to, to speak to their mother, speak to their father, to their aunt, to their grandmother, and say, why did you do these things? These messages that you gave me have stuck with me so much that I feel like I'm in my own little prison. Mm -hmm. um, very, very powerful stuff. Great. And like, I had like a visceral reaction when you said, um, when you answered back to the body, because I do intuitive eating counseling. And one of the principles is respect your body. And we talk about, you know, I, I'll ask my client, okay, besides for like the way you feel about your body, what, like, what has your body done for you? But it's totally different to converse with your body and hear yes. it the way that you just said it. It's like so powerful. Yes, yes. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I'm curious just first to hear, like, what was the visceral reaction for you? Like, what were you like, kind of feeling when you heard that? I had goosebumps because I was like, <laughs> yeah, I always say, like, you know, do you, did your body birth a healthy child? Does mm. your, are you able to work? Are you able to exercise? But mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's like a logical type of conversation. Right. But to hear your body say, like, I, my heart beats for you and like what about my skin like it's yeah. like you know the, the body's defending itself it's yes. so more powerful yes 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 absolutely and therein lies you just experienced on a micro micro level what psychodrama is because we go away from here from the head right. and we go into the body right we go into all like all the different parts and 
it, it often a lot of people won't have the ability to even say the words right like they, they won't know what the body would answer or what you know different parts of them would say so there's a technique called doubling where i'll go behind the person and ask permission to kind of say what i think they might be feeling mm -hmm. and say mm -hmm. it and if it resonates mm -hmm. they will they'll repeat it and if it doesn't fit i always leave room for that because i don't always get it right mm -hmm. um right I, I might be off the mark it's they, they repeat it in their own words um and that is also very powerful for a lot of people because they're sitting there and maybe they're kind of the circle in their brain is very small still when it comes to food and their body but when i'm there gently guiding them and saying what i think might be in there it kind of widens that circle and they can still be sitting where they're sitting right emotionally but the circle is wider so that the next time they walk around they have more space to walk emotionally right they have more more things to kind of rest on rather than only um what they came into adulthood with messages around body and food and stuff like that I have so much to say. I'm thinking where to go. Sure. Um, so first of all, I wanted to say that it's it's it seems like almost obvious to me that that would be so powerful, the psychodrama, because we experience things in our body. So, you know, a lot of stuff is logical, but a lot of stuff isn't. It's just sort of like, you know, the book, like the body keeps score, or like all the, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a therapist, but I do a lot of reading just because I like to know and I want to use it in my practice. But um we could be experiencing something in our body and totally not be aware of it so right. to do the opposite thing like to experience something in your body intentionally is totally a different experience like yeah. you it's like like i was asking um rena riser so she's also an intuitive eating counselor and a good friend and i was a asking her once like you know what is like you believe in intuitive eating and and health at every size but you just have one of those days where you're just so uncomfortable in your body and um, it seems obvious to me now, but when she said it, she's like, you know, like gentle dance or like yoga mm -hmm. could really help you like embody your body. And I'm like, wow, like that's so interesting. Like we just have yeah. to figure out a way to get present in mm -hmm. this amazing body that, that understandably we've been at war with because of the messages mm -hmm. we've received. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I might add to that and say, that sometimes it's about sinking into the discomfort and saying today the feeling i feel in my body is yuck and uncomfortable and just not like just not good just not okay and i might have a conversation with that part of me and say huh there's a part of me that feels really really the old way about my body i wonder what that part wants to tell me Sometimes like they have something interesting to say. Sometimes I might feel really yucky in my body or around food because that part wants to protect me from thinking about something else or feeling something else. Oh, totally, for and, sure. For yeah. sure. And, then if I, and if I discover that, I might almost with a smile thank the uncomfortable part and say, all right, but now we figured out why you're here. So we've already kind of, it's no longer an elephant in the room. So you can, you can take a break, right? The yeah when you say parts are you referring to like ifs because yeah okay i just became introduced to this and i'm reading oh. the book now i know it's like funny that i never heard about it um uh. rebecca shapiro actually mentioned it to me and mm -hmm. i read a lot of books so it's always like what do i want to read next but when i was you know for the people who are listening um ifs is a book well the book that i'm referring to is self-therapy and it's explaining mm -hmm. Um, IFS internal family systems and yes. where you have all different parts of you so mm -hmm. so I so I've always understood this in my practice like I've explained to my clients like if you're binging on food and that's a behavior that you really really don't want to do it's protecting you from something else from feeling something yeah. else from doing something else because as human beings will always engage in a behavior to help us it might yeah. hurt us in the long run but in the short term we're trying to figure out what to do to either you know deal with an uncomfortable situation emotion so when i read the book i mean i'm still in the middle of it but it's like sort of really explaining like in detail how the parts and the different sub personalities in our brain yeah. are are working it's really interesting yeah yes it's a, a theory that i absolutely love i incorporated in 
pretty much every session with children, with adults, with groups, um, with families. It's, it's, I mean, it honors so much of the human condition um, and it offers direction. Like a lot of theories are really great and honor the human condition, but are more like they help you sit in it just to sit in the awareness, which is wonderful. Um, and I incorporate those as well. Those are more like the psychodynamic theories. Um, and then when it comes to this, this is something that once a part is identified, there's a clear direction. Like we sit with a part. I mean, I've spent with clients sitting with a part for many weeks before we do anything necessarily with it. Like just the sitting is doing something. We'll give it a shape. We'll give it a color. We'll give it a voice. We'll give it, you know, you know, we'll give it like a, a little persona. We'll give it, you know, what is it wear? Is it like a little man with a briefcase going to work? Is it a butler? Is it a little princess? Like what, what, what does the part look like? Um, and that takes the threat away. Whatever the behavior is or the feeling is, it becomes a little bit more palatable and a little bit, it's easier to access the part and start conversing with it. Is that what you're doing when you're doing psychodrama? You're, you're introducing your client to the part? Yeah, so psychodrama, there, there are what's called, intr, um, what's it called? Okay, so there's interpersonal between people, and mm -hmm. then there's intrapersonal. So in psychodrama, sometimes we'll do an interpersonal psychodrama where, let's say, I am conversing with my mother, or I am conversing with my father, or I am conversing with my teacher and my bully and my principal, right? Any mm -hmm. picture, any, any, anything that may have happened in your childhood, adulthood, you play it out, mm -hmm. right? Um, or there, may, there might be an intrapersonal one where it's me and myself, and that's where the parts come in. Mm -hmm. And I with with the the parts work in psychodrama it's it's really cool the way we can do let's say when we have a group we'll have the person pick different people to play different parts and then let's say one technique that i might use which is really cool we'll have i'll have you know all the parts get a chance to say their voice to say their thing and to say their narrative and then i might say i might tell all the parts to start talking at once mm -hmm. all of you because in our minds very often that's what it's like we hear a you know such a big babble, everyone's talking at once, and then the protagonist, the person whose internal world is playing out, I'll invite them to say like, hey, this is your mind, this is your body, Who, whose volume do you need higher? Whose volume do you need lower? And they'll literally go and turn the knob mm -hmm. to the part that they wanna hear louder, mm -hmm. and to the part they need to be a little bit quieter. And then you see the shift that happens. It's like, okay, wow, I actually have, I have, I have power here. Like these parts are not controlling me. I can engage with them and it becomes, it's just easier. It's not a struggle in the same way. It's not a fight. We're not saying go, go away. We never want to push a part away right. ever. No right. such thing. You don't push a part away. Right. It's, we, you know, we understand it a little bit better. We give it a different job. Right. But in, in intuitive eating, the part that may have been the diet, diet, diet part over time, we can give that part a new job. We can say, hey, look, you've been the diet part for so long. You know food. You know calories. You know calorie counts. You know the densities. You know if it works in keto, if it works in paleo. You know all of the things. You seem to love food. Like, food is a thing, you know. How about now, teach me about different cuisines. Teach me about different tastes. Teach me about, like, and, and, and that part can really transform. The food conscious part can then become almost like a food appreciator. Like, huh, almost like a foodie. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little foodie Instagram account. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. There's a transformation that can happen. It's very powerful. And that only happens when we welcome the part. We say like, hey, you're here. So I'm going to engage with you. Right. Wow. 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 I have so much to think about, like, in, especially with my own clients, like I'm always, you know, I mean, I'm clinically trained as a dietitian yeah. and I'm certified in intuitive eating and I'm always like incorporating the things that I learned, just like you were saying, like that you had this struggle and then you had this parallel situation where you were also learning about intuitive eating. And then I, I could see how your experience with dieting and body image, you just completely, you know, infuse that into this class and into yeah. your knowledge on parts because that's kind of like the what you're describing is really what people need to do is to understand that 
not don't judge yourself right There's nothing wrong it is what it is you know diet culture is what it is we adapt yes. we adapt those voices because we're human because we're living it it's, yeah how are you supposed to not and right. how is it now with this work it's like okay how is it helping me or how can we change it to help me so it doesn't have to be so yeah. negative like diet culture is so bad and I'm anti-diet and you know because I'm always trying to find that balance because I don't want to be someone who goes to the opposite extreme and I don't want to teach that to my clients you know so this right. is such a gentle way of incorporating it yes it's very gentle and it, it takes away the you know the the exactly like you said the harshness the you know I hate diets no when we start to make peace we know why we adapt it we know why we we engaged in diet culture we it, it was as a kid as a teen we really knew as a kid and as a teen that this is what you have to believe and do in order to be loved by friends often be loved by parents get engaged right for a lot of communities that's a very big piece of it and i think in in general i mean it's not just in communities where there's a shidduch system it's it's also just in the larger world that there is you know people have a lot of these thoughts about you know what do i need in terms of dieting and diet culture how can this help me get to what i want in life so dismantling that is really really big work and it works a lot more exactly like you said and you're reflecting like when we do it gently rather mm -hmm. than like fight back because when we fight back it's a fight right diet a fight as much as we like the fight you know like yeah. and then it comes so no one, you know, no one's kind of giving, but when we engage, it's like, okay, we're in control gently. Right. It's powerful. It's very powerful. And like, I'm, I am new to this IFS work, but I, mm -hmm. Rebecca kept telling me, she's like, I'm telling you, you're going to love this book. You have to read yeah. this, this book. And I'm always looking to like fill in those gaps because I love intuitive eating and I love health at every size, but I also love like this experiential part. That, you know, people will tell me, I love intuitive eating, I love the freedom, but I need more. I need more yeah. to engage with. I need, if I'm not going to, you know what it is? It's like so many clients tell me, like, I don't know how I'm doing because I used to measure my worth in my weight. Mm -hmm. And they want yeah. this quantitative, right? Qualitative, qu qualitative measure. Mm -hmm. and um, it doesn't really work like that with intuitive eating, right. which I totally get because I guess as humans, we want to see like the results. Right. And, and on the intuitive eating journey, you get the, the qualitative result, right? The quality. And in, in diet culture, you get only the quantity. You get the quantitative results. And then it's like, you know, how, how exactly are you saying? Like, how do I now see myself through which lens? Right. And inside, and not even just inside, not even in, only in, through psychodrama, but in general, in the therapeutic process. And I'm sure that you do when you counsel your clients as well. It's the world is huge and, and open when it comes to the different lenses that you could view your world through um, when it's not only through diet culture, right? It's like when you're at the eye doctor and they give you an exam and they put these lenses in, diet culture is one lens and you put it in and then you see everything through it. But when we gently put diet culture kind of to the side we suddenly realize like hey oh my gosh i have a whole bag of lenses right like i can switch around like i right. can put this in and that lens in and i can play around right um, and i don't have to only resort to one lens through which to see the world so it's again liberating mm -hmm. Very it's not liberating. like black there's no like black and white thinking not that there's no black and white thinking but <laughs> we, we make there it like yeah, there it is again. Um, yeah, so I think that this way it's so much gentler and so much more effective because I think we also know that diet culture or dieting just doesn't work because it's based on nose, you know, it's based on really strict rules and we don't really like that as humans and we don't really also like I love that with intuitive eating, I always tell this to my clients, like it's not like it works or doesn't work. It's just it's a way to help you. It's not like you could do anything wrong with intuitive eating. And I think that that's like, we just need more of that, you know, like we just need it to be more of this like process as opposed to perfection or I don't know, just, you know, everyone who, everyone who suffers with perfectionism gets sucked into 
um, diet culture because there's like this set of rules. If you follow it like this, then you're perfect. Yeah. If you don't, then you're not. And it just continues to perpetuate this yes. negative, perfectionistic, I don't know, like culture, you know? And, and for a lot of people having the rules, like we were talking about how things are there to help us and protect us, for a lot of people having these rules is almost something that they can lean into. Like yeah. someone who's through whatever kind of trauma with their body, for example, might really sink into diet, you know, diet culture rules because it's like, if I follow these, I'll be fine. Right. So, and people resort to, yeah, like diet culture rules for a lot of reasons. And as much as we don't like it as humans, there may be a part of us, right? A right. part that has, but without these rules, how will I know what to do? Right. Or these rules keep me safe. Or, right. you know, um, again, depending on who the person is, their unique history, that part will, will tell us why the diet culture is so alluring. Right. I mean, yeah. It's it's almost like when I when I think about the the incorporating IFS and, and everything that we do, especially in the group, it's it becomes fun work. Like in, in the groups, you know, these groups run for around two two and a half hours. It's there are tears, there are there's connection, there's movement, and it's it's almost a fun process of growth and when it's done in a group setting it's just so beautiful to witness the the nature of like the connected nature of everyone kind of supporting each other filling in each other's gaps right because everyone brings a different strength and different struggle to the group um yeah it's just for me personally and professionally it's one of the most fulfilling um parts of my work like doing running these groups it sounds amazing like it sounds like it sounds like everything somebody would need, you know, like you get to express yourself, you get to have a safe environment, you get someone yeah. to help you move if you're not yeah. able to, if you're stuck in that emotional spot, like what you were saying before, yeah. doubling, like I love that, that's so, like we do that, I do that with my kids, you know, when they are trying, mm -hmm. to, I like, when they say I hate you, and you say, can you say that again, I'm upset, or do you feel angry at me? Do you feel whatever? Like we're trying to, they don't have the words, they don't have the verbiage or they don't have the expression and we will give it to them. Like, yes. you know, we'll try to give it to them. So it's the same thing with adults who are never given those words. Right, right. That, that guidance, like you're describing, it sounds, it really sounds amazing. I hope that they, yeah. I mean, you could run them on Zoom because it sounds like the world needs this. So it's something, I mean, I'm, I'm being trained right now to run it on Zoom um with with my you know the trainer that i use and i i i'm ready to go ahead with it um but it it does take you know i guess the relatable thing for everyone right now with covid is how long is it going to last because right. they're thinking about the in-person yeah experience so for now it's like a wait and see game but um, yeah it's doable through zoom absolutely it's doable and um i, I just want to go back to what you said earlier about that, that you know feeling stuck that is what a lot of people coming to my my groups whether it's the inner child group parenting intuitive eating whatever it is that we're working on that's a very common thing that people are saying i know a lot i'm right. learning a lot i right. read a lot get it but i'm feeling stuck like mm -hmm. it's not you know it up here it's not entering my body like how mm -hmm. and, and this kind of work really can propel a person forward um and depending on what group it is some of these groups um you know most like most of the time the, the people need to be in their own individual process like in their own individual whether it's therapy or have counseling because a lot comes up with this kind of work sure. um so but yeah in the group itself it's it's really really it, it, it helps the person come out of that stuck place. Even if just for a moment, they get a taste of what it's like to not be stuck. And even if, you know, two weeks later, it's like, oh, I'm feeling stuck again. But now they have the concept in their mind. They're like, but I know that this is not the only way. Like, I know that I'm capable of experiencing unstuckness. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I could just see that being so powerful for people who are just so stuck and they're just like... Yeah. There's, they're so narrow-minded, understandably, or they just have never been on the other side. And just giving them that experience is probably yeah. so powerful. Yes, yes. 
And, and what you said about um, comparing doubling to what, what parents do with children, that's right on. Like that's very on the mark. It, what happens often in these groups is people come in and we go to a certain place. Let's say with someone who went through shame, was shamed by their mother for their body, right? When they're sitting in that place, they might get frozen and almost go back to being a six, seven, eight-year-old child. Right. And a six, seven, eight-year-old child does not have language. Right. So they need the doubling to kind of ground them. Oh, right now I'm an adult. I'm speaking from the six-year-old part. And like that kind of gives words to a six-year-old who was never able to tell her mother, mommy, the words you're using are really hurting me. I don't know what to respond. To. I, I don't know what to say. I'm feeling lost. You're my mother. You're supposed to be nourishing me. And I feel like I can't eat around you. Right. Or please don't put me on a diet. I'm very little. I, 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 I you know, you're, you're, you, again, you see how, like right now, I'm right. six year old. And it's like right. the words aren't here. A child right. is very, very little. And in psychodrama, and, and I, I incorporate this in individual sessions as well. Like we do psychodrama, doesn't only have to be in a group. Um, it's a way to give the person an upgrade. Like if in this area you are operating from a six-year-old self, we're giving you an upgrade that now you can operate from a 10-year-old self. And the next upgrade will bring you up to a teenager. And then you'll eventually come to an adult place of leading from self, as IFS would say. Right. Leading from adult conscious present calm created self so when you even said when you were even talking from that six-year-old self that says please don't put me on, on a diet like you're supposed to nourish me like again like i just had that like visceral reaction because could you imagine like i mean we we all know the damage of putting a child on a diet and the, <laughs> the physical problems the emotional problems i mean these are the people that show up in my office and if they could have that language, but, but six-year-olds don't know to question their parents because they shouldn't right. have to. So, right. so I could totally see why you would even have a loss for words being a six-year-old because yeah. it's, that's not the way that six-year-olds operate, you know? So that's really, really interesting and so powerful. And I was also going to say back to what we were talking about before about the weight being um something a really good measure for health not that it is but that people feel like it is mm -hmm. um intuitive eating takes that away so yeah so like yeah. You before that um having something that you control like with an eating disorder having something that you control like your weight if you could control that or your food intake if you could control that um it really does give you that sense of control it really it really really does especially because yeah. you know society reinforces it so to teach you something about intuitive eating and there's this lack of structure um it's very very hard for and they and i think that i think that if they're not engaging in you know dieting or they're not continuously thinking about what they're eating their head starts to fill up with painful emotions and i think that giving them something concrete to do like what you're saying um i also do like eft tapping i don't know i'm sure you do that also that's also like another thing yeah, but I'm, I'm, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. It's also, yeah. It's also like another form of action because, mm -hmm. because we need that. We have this like tension, this that we need some sort of release and we're not able yeah. to use the food, you know? So I love this whole like transference and yeah. figuring out other ways to use this like physical um, yeah. aspect. It's really cool. Yeah. Yes. And you talk about release in psychodrama. There's, there's, you know, two things, one's called a fear release and one is called an anger release. So in my groups, I, I have literally like a, a shield, like a kick shield that people use in boxing. And at times we bring that out and the person will punch and hit and scream. Wow. Sometimes the tantrum, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's done in a safe contained way and it's safe and it's, you know, you're surrounded by people who are there for you and supporting you. And then when the tantrum is done, you come back to self. So I and again, I have to try this. It's it's too cool. It's very very cool. I mean, I just I love the method so much. I mean, I fell in love with this method probably three four years ago, maybe longer. Yeah, like three four years ago was when I started when I got introduced to it, and I just was like, wow, this is. It was transformative in my own journey and is. You know, it's something being in psychodrama training. I'm in my own psychodrama groups, like you know. 
on the receiving end of it, mm -hmm. um, plus the training that comes with it. And it's, I mean, been doing it for years and no session is like the one before. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it could be the same group of people and something else will happen every single time. So it's very, very, very um, holistic and transformative. Like we go to every part of the body. It's very, very cool. Do you um, train these clients to do it on their own? So it's, no, in early groups, I don't train them to do this on their own. It's more, we'll typically talk towards the end of group about certain things that they can try at home. So I incorporate journaling a lot and mm -hmm. I might journal from, you know, as if you're speaking, let's say write a letter to yourself from your body. Mm -hmm write a letter from yourself to your five-year-old inner inner child so mm -hmm. it's it's a sister to psychodrama um simply because when we do the actual psychodrama the role reversal and all and all of that like it brings up a lot it puts us in different spaces and i'd never want to open someone up and then send them back kind of into the wild open and raw um so it's more like i'll give i'll give people different techniques to do at home um, mindfulness, meditation, tuning in, all of it is related to the body and mind together, but it's not actual psychodrama that they'll be doing at home. Again, over time, if someone's been doing psychodrama for a long time, they'll intuitively know what they can do at home or not. Like I'll sometimes personally do, you know, uh, you know, I have some stuffed animals that, you know, in psychodrama, we sometimes use stuffed animals as a sit-in for the inner child or as, you know, if we don't want to pick a person, you can pick a stuffed animal. Um, and I'll sometimes do a quick, you know, connect with my inner child. If I'm feeling something's going on, I'll be like, all right, I'm here. My inner child is here. Hey, what's going on? Like, right. let's right. And I'll and do it five, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, that's after several years of, of really being in the process and, and also knowing when I'd like to stop and rather bring it into the therapy room. Right, right. So I, over time, it kind of happens a little bit more naturally, where a person might say, like, all right, I know, I know what I can try at home and what I'd rather not. Right. That's important because I think that people, like, you know, I, my goal is not to have people in my office forever. So I want them to have a tool that they could yes. eventually use on their own and not feel like they always have to rely on someone else. Right, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is, it, it happens, like I said, like some of these things are concrete things that I tell them, like try this at home. And again, it's never, I don't check in, did you do it, did you not? It's an invitation and everyone goes with it where they want to go. Um, and then a lot, a lot of the transformative work happens over time where I don't know that I can necessarily point to like, oh, this session changed things for me. It's like over time. That's where I started. This is where I'm at right now. It's so interesting. I, I learned so much. Like, I'm mm -hmm. so excited. I, and I think that the listeners will also be excited because I think that, like what I was saying before, I think that intuitive eating is amazing, but I think people need to hear a little bit more about other modalities and processes yeah. that work with it. Yes, yes. And yeah, there are so many directions to take with this. And for me, the part of the pleasure of working in groups where these are typically 12 week groups and these are people that are working with whatever kind of therapy modality, whatever kind of, you know, um, um, nutritionist or dietitian. And then they come in and I get to be a part of their journey for 12 weeks, which is I'm always so grateful for people who allow me into their lives in that way. It's such an honor and a gift and not something I take lightly or take for granted. Um, and then some people choose to, to, you know, continue therapy with me if that's something that they haven't done before. And they're like, oh, this is opening up different things for me. I'd like to, you know, do therapy. And that's great. You know, we, we see, you know, if there's a click, there's a fit, if I can help them, we'll do that. And other people don't. Like for other people, these are the 12 weeks that I spend with them. And this is what they get to take, to take forward wherever, wherever it goes. Um, and it's, it's, it's it's very yeah it's really cool to see like how how people make use of whatever modality is out there um and yeah in groups it gives you a little taste it's 12 weeks give it a shot um yeah and in some of the groups like other groups that i've had like people have wanted to continue i've had one group that was supposed to be for a certain amount of time and afterwards the group unanimously decided that 
you know, we want to take, we want to extend. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just this kind of work. I mean, I can, I can gush about it <laughs> for a really long time. It's very, yeah. very um, how do most people find you? So I guess it's, it's referrals from other professionals. Um, a lot of people find me on Instagram, um, pretty active there. Uh, like I'll post different, you know, almost like mini blog posts um, and some stories with psychoeducation, talking about different topics, like literally a huge variety of topics. Um, and they're all in my highlights, so you can check me out over there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've had people reach out to me via DM and say, hey, what you said was really interesting. I'm thinking of, you know, joining a group or starting therapy. And then I'll, you know, we'll transfer to my, my regular client text line. And then from there, we take it, you know, take it from there and they either start therapy with me or I'll give them a referral. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Okay. Anything else you would want like our listeners to know before we wrap up? Hmm. There's so much to say about this topic. I think we need to do is uh, like a part two. Cause I have, up. yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd be down. I mean, this topic is something that's very close to me and uh, I definitely be down to talking more about it. I guess one thing that comes to mind to me right now and I'll go with it because that like intuitively came to me is almost like a note of encouragement that this journey is possible for everyone. This journey will look different for everyone. And even if, if you're not in a place where you have the ability or the access to, you know, go to in-depth therapy or join a group or, 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 you know, like invest that kind of time or money, even starting it on your own, like introducing this concept to yourself, like buying the book, doing the workbook, again, always recommended to do it with guidance, like, you know, a counselor, a therapist, whatever it is. But don't let that get in the way. If you're not able to do that, don't let it get in the way of, of seeking freedom. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's thing that we all deserve when it comes to body freedom and, and, and freedom around food. It's something, it's so primal and so core that when we have that, like everything else can start to flourish. And it's very much like a reclaiming of ourselves. So we all deserve it. It's so true. It's so true. Like I always say this to my clients, like dieting threatens our autonomy. And the same when we do that to our child, to our children, like you're not hungry, you're done. And we're saying to ourselves, how can we be hungry? And like, it's our most primal part of us to eat, yeah. to keep our body alive. And when we have this struggle with our body, it's just, it really does affect every area of our life. So, and I love your approach. It's like completely incorporating everything into the healing, mm -hmm. it, which is so powerful and important and seriously i learned so much thank you so much i'm so glad i'm so glad i learned from you every day i see your posts <laughs> um so definitely keep doing that and um and we'll be in touch okay thank you so much all right thank you so much Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.